Chapter 75 The Resurrection Al-Qiyamah In the name of God, the most compassionate, the most merciful. I swear by the day of resurrection. This chapter is among those that foretell the signs of the extraordinary event that will occur when this world ends, the resurrection. Quran calls this event with many names, which each describes a different attribute and presents different aspects of this cataclysmic event. One of these attributes, that of Qiyamah, arising, indicates the rebirth and arising of all creatures after they have died and decomposed, similar to seeds breaking through soil to actualize their innate potentialities. This chapter discusses humanity's denial of the hereafter and mentions insan, human, six times, which is comparatively and statistically significant for such a short chapter. The Quran asserts oaths to draw attention to such oft-neglected subjects as the resurrection. And I swear by the self-reproaching soul. According to the Islamic tradition, a human's nafs, soul, traverses three stages. The first and lowest one is an nafsul amara, the soul that commands to evil, which is mentioned in the context of the story of Prophet Joseph in chapter 12, verse 53. At this stage, the soul invariably incites most humans to submit to their irresistibly powerful base desires, like shaitan's temptation. The next level, an nafsul lawama, is akin to one's conscience, for it reproaches people both during and after committing a sinful act. All of us have experienced such a state. For this inner critique, one's conscience, is organic to each person's innate disposition. This heedful conscience acts as the inner court. Therefore, witnesses or proof are not needed, for people are well aware of their deeds. In other words, each person will be his own judge and jury. This alone should prove the existence of the hereafter where, on a much grander scale and with a focused deliberation, all people will undergo this very same experience. The third and highest level of human perfection is an nafsul mutma'inna, the tranquil soul at peace, the nafs that has attained contentment. At this stage, humans become worthy to be addressed by God as, O tranquil soul at peace, return to your Lord, well pleased with Him, and accepted by Him. Chapter 89, verses 27 to 28. Does man imagine that we can't reassemble his bones? Even though bones remain intact long after death and are the last bodily part to decompose, 
the vicissitudes of time eventually cause them to decay and become dust. Some people may find it inconceivable that this entire process can be reversed. Yes, indeed, we are able to restore even his fingertips. Only about a century ago did scientists discover that a fingerprint swirls possess unique marks that may be used to identify an individual, as this is also true of each eye's iris. This verse emphasizes God's omnipotence in terms of not only his ability to recreate humans, but also restore their unique fingertips. Yet man wants to deny what lies ahead of him, the afterlife. Humans want to know what will occur in the very distant future. Asking, so when is the day of resurrection? The deniers question whether this day even exists. Their excuse is that, even if it does, it will occur so far in the future that there is no need to worry about it. The query, asking, conveys their doubt, which they justify in their mind by asking, Has anybody ever returned from the other world to inform us of its existence? The following verses address those who want to know when the hereafter will happen. When the eyes are dazzled, people confronted by looming dangers, disasters, or amazing phenomena usually stare at them so hard that it might look as if their eyes are ready to pop out of their sockets. Under normal circumstances, eyes are partially closed and pupils are mostly visible. But when people are terrified, their eyes glitter and the white area becomes more visible. And the moon is eclipsed. Other chapters proclaim that the sun will darken on that day. Its death will destroy the solar system's gravitational force. The moon, which reflects sun's light, will be eclipsed and darkened. And the sun and the moon are brought together. After the current natural world order is destroyed, the sun's gravitational force will possibly pull the moon toward it. Those stars that leave their orbit due to the difference between the gravitational forces applied to their front and back will be pulled in different directions, which will cause them to eventually explode before colliding with other heavenly bodies. On that day, Man will ask, where is the escape? The event on the day of resurrection is so dreadful and awe-inspiring that one will become totally self-absorbed and anxious to flee or find a refuge. But no, there shall be no refuge. This lack of any refuge is due to the fact that on that day everybody's abode will rest with their Lord, and no one will be able to carry another person's burden on that day. On that day, to your Lord 
is the resting place. This resting place, mustaqar, is the abode of tranquility and rest. As God is omnipresent, He is not located in any specific place. However, He has laid down a spiritual path that, if followed, guides humanity to excellence and perfection. On that day, man will be informed of that which he has sent forth and of that which he has left behind. As a person's fate is not sealed upon his or her death, the effects of one's good deeds and misdeeds accumulate and are recorded until the day of judgment. Therefore, the impact or impacts of our deeds perpetually affects future eras and generations, and we will become aware of their delayed consequences only on that day, as denoted by left behind. Truly, man shall testify against himself. Our cells witness our deeds, and thus are the best and most reliable witness against us. Moreover, just like computers that can provide the requested data globally almost instantly, this world, according to its governing rules and orders, constantly records the minutest details of our actions and words, which will eventually inform us of the actual impacts of our seemingly trivial deeds. Though he puts forth his excuses, we often blame others for our misdeeds, and despite knowing the truth in our heart, we may even try to convince them of our innocence. But those who deny may be unaware that they experience truth in a different way. The omniscient God observes humanity's deeds, all of which are recorded in the clear register. Chapter 36, verse 12 O prophet, do not rush your tongue in an attempt to hasten your memorization of the Quran. It may appear that the chapter's theme changes here. However, such is not the case. The crucial point here is that even though the Prophet was very eager to recite the revealed verses, God prohibited him from being hasty. For its safe collection and recitation are up to us. The Quran was transmitted via an impeccable chain, whose purity was preserved by God, according to chapter 72, verse 27. From God's knowledge, to well-guarded tablet, to Archangel Gabriel, to the Prophet, to humanity. So when we recite it, follow its recitation. In other words, the verses did not originate in his mind, heart, or innermost being, but rather were instruments employed to receive and transmit the revelation. Being only an intermediary, which is an exceptional privilege, in no way lowers his exalted status. Then 
it will be for us to explain it. Revelation is not akin to flowing water, which may pick up impurities as it comes into contact with its surroundings and thereby becomes corrupted. Rather, it is God's literal word whose receipt and transmission were limited to Archangel Gabriel and the Prophet. No, on the contrary, you love the fleeting world. Whereas the previous verse instructs the Prophet to refrain from being hasty in reciting the Quran, this one instructs people to be aware of their hastiness and abstain from becoming enamored and attached to the ephemeral world, and neglect the hereafter. Humans are hasty and impatient. Even if we live to the ripe old age of 100, this long period is still insignificant compared to our life in the hereafter. On that day, some faces will be radiant. Wujuh does not denote literal faces. Metaphorically speaking, wedge can be used to refer to people's inner state and character shaped by that toward which they turn. Looking toward their Lord The Quran often emphasizes God's invisibility. Looking toward their Lord does not connote seeing Him with one's physical eyes, for the beloved's lovers perceive him by the eye of the heart, their innermost depth. The dwellers of heaven see everything in and through him, the sole fountainhead and creator of all beauty and compassion in everything. This love, even loftier than heaven, is the highest achievement for the ultimate blessing for humans is to set their sight on this fountainhead. And other faces that day will be sad and despondent. This points to the enormity of the calamity that will come upon those who denied its existence. Expecting that a great calamity is about to fall on them. They know Something will happen on the day that, metaphorically speaking, will break their back. Faqira. No, when it, the soul, reaches the collarbone. One must not be mistaken and assume that death and the body's subsequent decomposition are the final stages of human existence. Reaches the collarbone and... Hearts reached up to the throats, chapter 33, verse 10, have similar meanings, being at the point of death. And it is said, who will carry him off? When a person is on his or her deathbed, their loved ones rush to save them from death. Asking this question means that everybody has come to the realization that all possibilities have been exhausted. And he, the dying person, knows that it is the parting time from the world. Here is the time when he or she 
realize that it is time for separation and leaving this world. And one leg is intertwined with another. The oft-repeated translation that the legs are intertwined is improbable. It is said that the soul begins to leave the corpse at its feet and continues to move upward, as it leaves other organs until it departs via the head. On that day, he will be driven toward your Lord. The soul is now beginning its journey toward God. Being guided toward God is a law and a progression in this world that ends in the hereafter. Therefore, one's temporal death is a movement in and of itself, and the hereafter, yet another movement, becomes intertwined with it, signifying thereby that it is time to begin the journey toward the Lord. He neither confirmed the truth, nor prayed, or turned toward me. Salah signifies turning toward God. Salat is also from the same root. But he denied and turned away, claiming that these words are ancient fables and sorcerers' false utterances. He denied their truth and turned away from them. Tawalla, opposite of Salah, means to turn one's back upon, and went to his people, swaggering in pride. He turned his back arrogantly and hurried, walk proudly, to join his ilk. You have deserved it, the punishment or doom, and so it is well deserved. This is the result and outcome of your denial and arrogance. Again, you have deserved it, the punishment or doom, and so it is well deserved. And then again, this end result suits and justifies your actions, and it is well merited. Does man think that he will be left without a purpose? Do humans suppose that they were created only to eat, sleep, and die in vain, only to be consigned to oblivion? Was he not just a drop of emitted semen? This chapter concludes by reminding humanity of its horrible origin, a mixing of a sperm and an egg. Then he became a clinging clot, which God shaped in due proportion. To form an entity that gradually grows proportionally into a fully developed human who can discern truth from falsehood. And made from him a pair, male and female. He created the two genders, male and female, which are found in humanity and many of the world's creatures. Does he who can do this not have the power? to bring the dead back to life. Is God, who created humanity from a mere insignificant sperm and egg, unable to enliven the dead? This concluding verse 
returns to the chapter's initial subject, the hereafter. The discussion in this chapter encompasses the beginning of the world's and humanity's creation up to their demise. As asserted, from it, earth, we created you, and unto it, we will return you, and from it, we will bring you forth a second time. Chapter 20, verse 55